is BYOT. Bring your own tacos. Dick swinging. Swinging. You're listening to American Slacker Podcast. We can say fuck. We can say fuck. With Matthew Gertz and Jesse Landers. I don't care. I've been smoking. This is cool. That's a decent amount of sausage. This man sure. needs a doctor. Yeah. I just hope they're tasty. What's up with these clowns, man? Cut the lights and went through people's pockets. Don't you point that at each other. Let them smoke a little. You need to like step it up to that point. <laughs> we're not gonna. We're not gonna lead with the. We're not gonna lead. Uh, that. Well, the article was about um, Monte Carlo sampling to approximate seemingly random setups like the roulette wheel. Uh, yeah. So you have a game of chance, which appears to be fair. The roulette wheel, the roulette wheel has 60 slots that the ball can fall into, and the guy just tosses the ball at the spinning wheel. So seemingly every uh, spot has a one in 60 chance of being hit. Uh, in reality, though, when you actually like throw five balls at the thing. Pull, select a number and then do it again and again and again for 10,000 times like certain numbers do come up more than others and so that was the uh, the article that we were reading earlier yeah the, there was like a Forbes article a very long one we'll be sure to post it once we uh, put the episode up it's uh, it goes kind of into the history of people kind of beating the roulette wheel with with logic logic and knowledge of the defects in the machine and so that was the segue I was hoping to use into uh, the story about Richard Feynman. Because basically, he developed... Well, he was one of the scientists working on the Manhattan Project uh, to determine how to feasibly build a nuclear weapon. And so there was like 20 or so of these scientists in Los Alamos, New Mexico, uh, in a research facility that was highly classified to the point where they'd had no contact with the outside world. Like, all their mail was screened and all the packages yeah. were screened. So, like, they, like could get newspapers but like couldn't really talk to people so they're very bored um but yeah he <laughs> developed a knack or not a knack but a reputation for being a safe cracker which was sort of unfounded in in that he never picked safes uh so he knew for one thing that the safes had certain tolerances uh you when you're if your combination was 25 25 25 you could dial in 23, 27, 23, and it would still open because the notch for the dial was slightly wider than one unit. You didn't have to be precisely on the 25. You could be plus or minus one, and it would still go, so to speak. That gives you a decent range, I guess. Exactly. So instead of if the dial is 40 40 numbers, you didn't have to try 40 numbers. You actually had to try 20 because you could try 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, 11, and you could hit 1 through 10. Uh, so you could reduce the potential number of combinations uh, drastically, and that's what he did for these office locks, because uh, all these scientists had confidential and classified documents, so they all had office safes in their you know, desk drawers and things like that with these simple locks, and usually they only had one or two numbers, sometimes three numbers. So he could quickly <laughs> crack into someone's desk and made a habit of doing so. <laughs> And then the other technique he employed was, you know, routine knowledge. Uh, Most people picked fairly memorizable um, and notable combinations like birthdays and things like that. And so if it was a date, the first number had to be between a 1 and a 12. Oh, yeah, there you go. And then the second number had to be between a 1 and a 31. And then the fourth number, he figured, <laughs> couldn't be more than 27, because or 30, whatever the year was, because it was the 19-whatevers. Uh, right. So he could eliminate with a three combination, if you had three numbers to dial in, suddenly instead of 100,000 combinations, you're down to like 600. And you can try out 600 different combinations in a scope of like an hour. Oh, Wow. That's, I mean, that's a pretty good way to kind of narrow it down from, like, what would be almost an impossible number to do by hand. To exactly. Something that he could probably do, you know, would you and say, in a couple of hours. That's exactly what he would do. He would be uh, a wise-ass, uh, and he would grab a bag of tools and lock picks and hammers and whatnot and go into someone's office and say, I'm going to pick Jim's lock. And then, you know, he would <laughs> use this intuition and just try a bunch of combinations, get the lock opened, and then come out, you know... 
put some sweat on his brow and say, man, that was a tough one. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, he was a this, weird guy. Uh, they, they got some pretty smart people working on that kind of shit, though, so it's oh, kind yeah. of expected. They'd have a quirky sense of humor as well. Yeah, yeah, he's got a good autobiography. Um, oh, what is it called? I think it's Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman is the title of it. Funny name. But yeah, he's, uh, he's a very interesting character, and he's got a lot of good series. Um, he was kind of right at the cusp of video recording, so he doesn't have too much. Like, um, There's a, one series on YouTube, the... Uh, uh, now I'm blanking on the name. I think it's Fun to Imagine, where he talks about like nine word problems and like walks through them. Okay. It's kind of like thought experiments, where he's just like describing things. Cool, that's worth checking out then. Welcome to another science edition of American Slack Podcast. As always, I'm Matthew. And I'm Jesse, and today we have... I'm Alexander Schlechting, and it's nice to be here again. Nice to have you back. Yeah, we're glad to have you back, man. Thank you, thank you. Laying the education down on us. Simpletons. There is no simpleton. There is only difference (laughs) of knowledge. That's why I like you, Al. God damn it, man. (laughs) Now, now, I uh, want to lay out some of your credentials for the audience. Lay away. You are a studying student for your master's, is it? Correct. Yeah, I completed my undergraduate in physics in uh, 2014. And then I took a couple years off to work, as one adult typically does after graduating. And now I have gone back to complete a master's. And that's a master's in mathematics, I believe, right? No, for physics. God damn it. I knew I'd get it wrong. <laughs> yes, yes, was, mathematics. Was the is undergrad little... mathematics? No, the undergrad was physics, too. My, uh, my bachelor's is in physics. <laughs> yeah, I've known you so long, you think I'd get it right. You would. I mean, I pretty much have a degree in mathematics because you're taking math classes every semester you do. Like, you, you don't get a physics degree without advanced calculus and... Uh, some basic statistics and linear algebra. Right. Well, like we said, we're really happy to have you back to drop more knowledge on us in this from the science realm. Uh, as always, we like to say recommend this show to a friend. If uh, you haven't already, send them over to our Facebook or our Instagram. Search American Soccer Podcast on either of those. And remember, if you recommend it to five friends and they recommend it to five friends and that goes on seven times you've reached the population of the entire earth. Really? Yeah, that's why those multi-marketing schemes never work. Because, like, binary trees, (laughs) when you get to orders of seven or more, it's it's past the population of... It's in the billions. So those whole, like, find three friends and they find three friends, after seven rounds, you've consumed the world's population. Let's do it. Audience, you heard him. (laughs) <laughs> just got to recommend it to, like, three or five friends and just have them keep doing it. And we got the whole we'll earth. Have, yeah, we'll have the world in no time. And if they <laughs> also, all, I was going to say, if they all go to over our Patreon, that would be well, real good. <laughs> that would be really cool with us. Yeah, see, I just and, did, uh, uh, sorry, I did three friends, seven rounds is 2,200 people. So that's, like, you know, a whole town. You couldn't, you couldn't we'll even go it. seven rounds in a town. I'm going to pick a random town. Uh, Las Cruces in New Mexico. We want you, the whole town, to subscribe to our show. <laughs> You've seen it. You can do it. Check out the Patreon, as we were talking before. Um, we always do shout-outs for anybody that donates to our Patreon. You help contribute to creating the show. And uh, anybody that donates gets to play Xbox with us on the fourth Saturday of every month. So, I mean, why wouldn't you want to do that? What? Xbox. Yep, you know what we do. We don't fuck with that Sony shit. That's good. Not not until we uh, get enough Patreon supporters that we can get some extra consoles up in here. (laughs) I'm a PC gamer myself, but... uh, I see. That's what I would be more likely. Yeah, yeah. It's because of the VR. So check out the Patreon. (laughs) And do you want to tell the people what we got coming up, Matt? All right, so we got a bunch of articles we're going to... uh, have Al enlighten us about. We're going to talk about a, quite a few interesting 
topics within these articles, and then uh, we're gonna get to some hilarious Amazon reviews, as we did the last time Al was on the show. I like that tradition. Yeah, yeah. We got a bunch of questions in general. We're gonna we're gonna lay down on you so you can uh, break them down for us and explain to us what's going on there. All right, all right. So stick all right. around, and then and then of course the best part of the show. I mean, we're gonna plug the shit out of it. All that all that social media bullshit. Everyone Everybody loves to hear. listens just for. I mean, come on. So, our first article, we're talking about some new paint material that can harvest hydrogen fuel from the air. Now, from this article that was posted in, on ResearchGate.net, i like to source that, uh, hydrogen is one of the cleanest fuels around, and now evaporated water molecules provide an endless source. This new paint-like material basically draws hydrogen molecules from humid air using solar energy, and it creates a hydrogen and oxygen component. This is good because it basically scrubs the air, and they can use this hydrogen that they're pulling to create some of the cleanest fuels, because when you burn hydrogen, it turns into water. Um... Right? So... What you're talking about burn, you mean combustion. And so combustion is a process where a fuel and uh, oxygen come in to produce, yes, water and soot is usually the byproduct. Uh, I just want to actually read the Wikipedia page. Never say scientists don't use Wikipedia. (laughs) Oh, yeah, see, like the the first thing is, yeah, yeah, you're right. the, com- the combustion of hydrogen gas, yeah, creates water, H2O. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, you're correct in that. So the material itself is just dry, in essence, in that it pulls moisture uh, from surrounding atmosphere into itself. Like, you could think of a sponge in a humid forest would start to suck things up. <laughs> okay. Now, now, how exactly would they harvest this, like, hydrogen from the paint? Just, like, scrape it off or something? Well, see, that's the... Uh, the article kind of alluded, so so the, the paint itself is dry. It, it pulls in moisture from the air. And then the paint itself is also reactive with, I think it was UV light in particular, or maybe it was the blue light one. I don't remember. Uh, but the paint reacts with light. And so, uh, you know, you shine light on a sidewalk, it gets hot, that kind of thing. So light is absorbed by the paint, and it interacts with the water molecules in a way that... So the paint molecules become polarized when they absorb the light. So the energy makes an electric field. So one half of the molecule goes positive, one half of the molecule goes negative, and water itself is a polar molecule. The oxygen part is negative and the hydrogen part is positive. So the water molecule that's trapped by the material of the paint becomes oriented one particular way and then is pulled apart by the increasing field strength. And so once the oxygen separates, it tends to bind... Well, once the oxygen is pulled off of the uh, H2O, it tends to bind with other oxygens and the uh, hydrogen bonds with other hydrogens. So in essence, you don't need to collect the product because the water is just being evaporated into gases. And the water itself is in the vapor form, so you have a gas being separated into its constituent gases. So it's essentially just able to absorb... I'm guessing if there was like any smog or anything, it would just absorb that, leave behind the, the crap, and evaporate the water? Oh, no, you're, you're thinking of two different things. So, uh, this won't clean the air. This will just make hydrogen fuel out of water. Uh, So, that means we could use hydrogen fuel instead of coal for power plants. Ah. Because the problem is, in order to get hydrogen fuel, you need to make that electric field which rips the hydrogen and the oxygen out of water. And in order to make that electric field, you burn coal to make electricity to then produce the fuel. So, it's... You need to get out of this endless cycle of we need to burn coal to produce the electricity to make the hydrogen fuel to burn the clean fuel. Because <laughs> we had to use coal Damn. to make the hydrogen. And so this paint would be uh, a way to manufacture hydrogen gas without c- 
consuming fossil fuel in the first place. Nice. So that's how it would reduce carbon impact. Okay, I thought it was actually scrubbing the air itself. That was the other one. Um, the artificial photosynthesis. Artificial. Okay. Yeah. We're working our way there. Yes. Actually, that's the uh, the next article that we have going. Correct, yeah. Yeah. So that idea, um, photosynthesis is the process of taking carbon dioxide, and similar to how in electrolysis we separated the oxygen and the hydrogen from H2O, we'd be separating the carbon and the oxygen from CO2. Uh, and plants do this all the time. And the really, truly fascinating thing about plants that kind of is underappreciated is the fact that like the, the substance of the plant of the 100 year old tree that weighs you know 75 million tons that 75 million tons come came from the air came from the carbon dioxide like in the air it, it doesn't come out of the ground it doesn't come from the water it doesn't come from the minerals it comes from the carbon in the air okay it's just like you can really do a lot in in a long time uh, so photosynthesis, like, truly, truly moves, like, large amounts of, because, you know, the mass of the tree came out of the air, like, that's all that pollution, mass of the pollution can come uh, right out. So the misconception is that these plants take the, uh, the carbon and then turn it into clean oxygen and, and perforate it into the environment, when really they're just taking it and creating mass with it. Correct, and that's where uh, fossil fuels come from, old trees. That were um, so yeah exactly when I'm going into biology here but when life first evolved plant life evolved before fungi and there was a good 400 million year gap where fungi didn't exist to break down dead trees and so trees fell did not decompose just continue to be pushed into the dirt and uh, were subject to large amounts of pressure where the carbon in the trees turned into uh, fossil fuels that's a richer kind of carbon so because we didn't okay. have fungi, we got fossil fuels. I mean, yeah. there's other ways to make fossil fuels, such <laughs> as like organic dinosaur material uh, being pushed down and subject to large pressure, like in tar vats and things like that, where it wouldn't decompose. Um, but, but yeah, it was most of the fossil stores we have, fossil fuel stores, are from trees in that 400 million year period where fungi did not exist to break them down. Wow. Now, is time a major component of that, or is that something we can recreate in like a laboratory? Oh, well, you can re you can recreate it with pressure, um, but it's it's a very it's like uh, maple syrup takes ten gallons of syrup or sap for one gallon of syrup. Uh, you need like an entire tree for a gas tank's worth of fuel. Now, what oh, if so it was not practical? Now, all. what about <laughs> like hemp? Is that like uh, would that be a decent alternative for like? Hemp well, so that'd be like making the tree faster. But you still like yeah. have the inefficient process of you need a tree's worth of hemp to make a gallon of fuel. Yeah. So it's 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 better. You don't chop down trees, but it's still highly inefficient in that you're growing fields and fields and fields to make small amounts. Then that's why like the hydrogen is much much better because uh, it doesn't require that large conversion scale. So yeah, the article that we're uh, that we're like kind of referring to here is one that says a scientist invents a way to trickle trigger artificial photosynthesis to clean the air and it's out of florida this professor named fernando fernando Ur urbi <laughs> romo um at ucf he's oh an assistant professor sorry i don't want to demote him but gotta stick factual <laughs> he Cut you down. he developed a material that can that basically is conducts artificial photosynthesis so this is this is a way to clean the uh, the air. Yes, yes. Without, this one really uh, works on similar to the the previous example of the the hydrogen factory. In that in that in that case, the the paint trapped water molecules and then pulled them apart. This ingenious, if I may say so, um, artificial photosynthesis chamber. So you may have seen buckyballs, which are these giant soccer. Uh, they're soccer balls made of carbon. So it's 60 carbon atoms all strung together in a complex and very large shape. And so this professor uh, had a similar design where he made an artificial molecule by uh, attaching other molecules in a very complex ways to make a very large but stable shape. And the shape is porous. And so the gas, and it's 
it's large enough and porous enough so that gases can permeate it, but only gases that are small enough to not be repelled by the yep. molecules overall. You can imagine uh, if you have uh, like a big meteor yeah. with holes in it, a small meteor can pass through, like with a, has a pretty good chance of passing through, but a meteor that's just the size of it is just going to whack it. Uh, gotcha. So small gases can permeate small holes. And I say small gases like a three uh, atom molecule of a gas and not uh, something like Freon, which is a very large chain of molecules. Or lar it's, the molecules are large chains of atoms that make up the gas. So the gas so is they're very design complex. they're designing holes at like a molecular level. Correct. They're, they're designing holes that are small enough to fit uh, carbon dioxide and not other things. But basically, the, the giant molecule that they built uh, is able to be permeated by CO2, and then when it's exposed to light, it absorbs light energy, it uses that to establish a potential, an electric potential, which reduces the carbon um, to a fuel-like component. Um, in photosynthesis, you, you take the carbon off and you make carbohydrates, which are sugars. So uh, the plant has like readily available water, which is H2O, and then you take the O off of it and you put a C on it and CH2, and that's a carbohydrate. And then it, the excess O is kicked off into the air. And so the plants just want the carbon to make sugar, and they use the sugar to you know build themselves up, uh, just the way any animal or any organism uses sugar as food. So again, like the stuff of the plant comes out of the air. Uh, it just uses water to help itself along. Uh, and this particular one, instead of making sugar, it would just make um, more complex hydrocarbons instead of carbohydrates. Uh, okay. They're, they're very similar. I think carbohydrates include oxygen and hydrocarbons are just carbon and uh, hydrogen. But it's, it's the same basic process where you're just stripping the carbon off of the oxygen and slapping on some uh, very readable uh, hydrogen atoms. Okay. I mean, hell, like, I, I'm not so much concerned about the technology, like, making a good byproduct as much as it is, like, cleaning the current shit that's in floating around, you know? Yeah, exactly. And the, the article that you linked has a video on YouTube from the professor or... Uh, assistant professor, I'm not sure at this point, uh, but he explains the process and then talks about applications and this could be used in coal plants that burn uh, these pollutants and have excess CO2 emissions and they could just have this as a stage in their filtration after the CO2 uh, is separated from the rest of the exhaust fumes before it's vented into the atmosphere. You could feed it through these uh, cells which then further break it down into harmless oxygen and uh, additional fuel. Okay. And also, uh, one of the things it highlights is that it's actually using a cheaper material, whereas like they used to have to use like platinum, rhenium, and iridium. Is that how you say that? Iridium. Iridium. Yeah. And uh, now they're using titanium, which is a much more common metal. <laughs> now it's much more common because we can mine it easier. <laughs> yeah. It, well, yeah. Compared to platinum. Yeah. No, uh, platinum is definitely. Very <laughs> Rare earth minerals are a whole nother subject. Like the reason hard drives got smaller and smaller is because neodymium was more easily accessible. Uh, super powerful magnet, but you got the same uh, magnetic field of iron with like a tenth of the size. So you didn't need these giant uh, hard drives spinning around. That's why we have micro SD cards. Well, SD cards are a little tricky because uh, there's those aren't moving parts. Uh, hard disk drives, oh, okay. where you have it spinning up, you have a magnet moving across, like a like a CD-ROM spins and a laser moves oh. across it to read it. In this case, it's a magnet moving across to read it. Solid-state drives are uh, specially made transistors, so the oh. there's no moving parts. The information is stored physically in uh, electrons that are paired in certain states. So in the Fallout universe, we wouldn't have SD cards? Because hmm. they don't have transistors. 
That's the big thing. That's the big split in the Fallout universe. Oh, <laughs> right, they don't. Yeah, no, we wouldn't have SD cards, which explains all the Pip Boys <laughs> are giant. Don't drop them because they break. So, I mean, in, we, we talked about photosynthesis and how normally plants turn it, uh, basically use it to turn stuff into sugar. Is that, that the basic idea? Yeah, exactly. You take the, the carbon uh, from the air and you stick it onto a water molecule, which is H2O. So it becomes like, uh, sugar is like C2H6O2. So you do it three times, you got a sugar molecule. And then uh, the plant metabolizes the sugar molecule later, consumes the carbon, uh, and like kicks out the waste uh, water off the side, and uses it to build like more leaf structure, things like that. So the carbon gets cycled around and eventually becomes the mass of the plant from the air. So it's just crazy to see these like you know giant heavy trees that are just like solidified air. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> Especially when you see like giant rainforests and you're like, this is like, you know, the air come to Earth. It's all connected. We are one. Now, what, one thing that is very unnatural is plastics. Oh, yeah. You don't yeah. find that out in nature anywhere. Yeah, the big problem with plastics is the time it takes for them to break down if it does break down. Because as you may or may not know, there's currently several gar several giant uh, basically garbage piles that are floating on the ocean. Garbage islands. Yeah, garbage islands is a more accurate way. Masses. And even in America we have giant landfills uh, which are problematic in itself because even if things could break down, when you pile that much garbage on top, there's no air and there's no soil and there's no bacteria. So it's just non-decomposing. It's basically a time capsule. If you dig down deep enough, you can go back a hundred years and find... You know, a McDonald's hamburger and count the pickles on it. Did you see uh, about the uh, waxworm breed that actually is breaking down plastic? Wait, what was that? There's like a worm. I'm pretty sure it was a waxworm. We covered an article on it uh, a few weeks back, actually. I haven't heard anything remember about that, Jesse? Yeah, I do remember that. It, it could eat plastic because this farmer had like... There was like a plastic bag out by their like stable or something like that. And yeah. And they found it, like, kind of eaten up by these bugs, and then they, like, took a piece of it and put one of these bugs in there in a jar, and it ate the plastic up and just pooped out, like, biodegradable worm poop. <laughs> it might be highly toxic to the worms, though. They might <laughs> die off. They, they might not be digging it, yeah. The, uh, yeah, actually, Matt just dropped a link down there. The, uh, the reason I brought up sugar was to, like, just moving on from the photosynthesis one way to try and absolve this plastic situation we got going on scientists are making plastic from sugar and carbon dioxide some biodegradable plastics in the future could be made using sugar and carbon dioxide replacing unsustainable plastics made from crude oil and this polycarb basically polycarbonates used in making like water bottles and glasses and uh, like CDs and phone cases and all that shit, they don't break down as Al said before. And a lot of them use BPA, which is banned, at least in the US, from baby bottles. It's bond, uh, yeah, any consumable container. And it was also, I didn't know this, was used as a chemical weapon in World War One. I. I did not know what? that. I did not know that. We might need to fact check that. But uh, these scientists have made alternative polycarbonates from sugars and carbon dioxide in a new process that also uses low pressures and room temperature, making it cheaper and safer to produce. So that's always a plus. Whenever you can keep the cost down on anything that's like more environmentally friendly, people are more apt to do it. Yeah, the, the article did claim... Um that the plastic could be re... What did it say? It can be... This new type of polycarbonate can be biodegraded back into carbon dioxide and sugar using enzymes from the soil bacteria. So, yep. I mean, that's the whole point. It's We don't need different ways to produce plastic. We need ways to get rid of the plastic we have and to eliminate more pile-up of plastic. 
that's a lot of what's just sitting in the landfills. Exactly. It's it's just it doesn't go floating away. Floating off our off our shores. So so with the plastic waxworm, did we find out if it hurt hurt him at all? I can't find anything about it harming him yet, but I mean it's fairly new research. This is out in the last few months that they discovered this waxworm could actually take apart plastic and uh, digest it. But now that Alice said that, I never even thought about the long-term <laughs> effects on this worm. Yeah. We're just going to need a shit ton of them. They're going to die off. But you know what? They're taking out the plastics with them. I mean, it, it's it's tough to make decisions like that. I'm glad I'm not in animal science doing experiments on animals because <laughs> I, I could not. Yeah, I seem yeah. to be having a field day on this shit. So the most recent article I can find is from May 25th. And... It doesn't say that there's any ill effects from them. You gotta look at the larva and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, again, like, these are all hopefully good steps in the future. Uh, you know, the climate change is the number one, number one national security threat everyone on this planet faces. Uh, if, if it changes and there's no way of going back, you know, that's, that's it. You know, we lose everything. For a global threat, uh, climate change and asteroid or meteor, like well, I mean, which, the, which is which is first? The meteor you can't prevent in the sense that like it, it's it's definitely coming and we need to turn it around. Like you obviously monitor for things like that and you have like in case of like nuclear missiles that can be launched uh, out of the planet's orbit and detonated and things like that. Uh, but but at the end of the day, like. Climate science is real. Climate change is real, and yep. we got to go back, not forward. Or I'm sorry, Absolutely. we have to go back on pollution. <laughs> we have to go back and not know about this and have Model Ts. Exactly. <laughs> so speaking of worms, we got one last article here. It's the flatworm that travels to space with one head, comes back with two. Yeah, this? this 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 is strange. Is this often that this happens, that things go to space and come back with extra shit? That is not. No, oh, so astronauts don't come back with, like, two dicks or, or four hands or anything like that? Not, not that I know of, um, although <laughs> this article does allude to it, but uh, something we're just recently learning in the last five years is that space is detrimental to eyes, and uh, oh. people who experience long-term space missions have reduced eyesight and will eventually go blind. Wow, wow. Yeah. Now, is there any, like, scientific research into what's actually causing this? Or yes. is that still a new head? No, basically, um, the Ouch. eye is withstand... The, the eye is <laughs> built to be on Earth, to have ambient pressure from the atmosphere pushing back on it. And when you exist in zero gravity, uh, the ocular nerve at the back, which is anchored in, has no pressure to keep it down. And so it tends to loosen up, and the drop in pressure uh, from the outside, with blood pressure remaining constant on the back, means it's actually pushed to dislodge. And so uh, extended periods in space will lead to uh, decreased ac visual acuity and eventual blindness. Just because wow. your like, ocular nerve is separating. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. I and mean, that, that kind of goes to show you that our species like has been on earth for so long that we're so adapted to it exactly it's it's very problematic because we just don't know what could go wrong in order to prevent these things like we had no idea eyes would be an issue until seven out of the seven returning asteroids from long-term space missions all had uh, i mean to be an astronaut you need 20-20 vision because you need to have qualified as an air force fighter pilot or an air force pilot uh and so every single one of these returning nasa uh, astronauts suddenly needed reading glasses within like three years I shouldn't say suddenly needed reading glasses within three years of returning and they were all pre-selected to have never planned on needing reading glasses so this prompted the the investigation wow that's crazy so yeah growing in space is weird yes yeah <laughs> For we should mention these, these flatworms were cut in half before being launched and when you sever a flatworm they usually result with the regrowing of the body and they become two identical flatworms. Right, like starfish. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't just he just mutated and he came back with his ass as a head. <laughs> yeah, the regeneration <laughs> went wrong. <laughs> they have cute little googly eyes. I want to throw that out there. 
they do have little googly eyes. They're not too pleasant otherwise. I would never be able to cut a flatworm in half, not staring at me with those little eyes. Yeah. I'm just saying we need to uh, take that trait and adapt it to humans, and that's how we get super soldiers like Wolverine. <laughs> you get shot in half and fucking two of you come back? Is that what you're oh, saying? that's worst fucking nightmare. Well, that's like... I fucking uh, sawed you in half! <laughs> that's sixth day. That's like the Arnold Schwarzenegger, you're not the clone, I'm the clone. Oh. Now, I heard this interesting idea, uh, this kind of off off our topics here, but the idea of, like, downloading consciousness across, like, the universe. So you make a clone, you send clones out to, like, Mars, and then instead of actually traveling there, you download the consciousness, like, Matrix. I thought that would, I thought that's way, Download to what? To closer. Earth? To, no, to your clone. So it's Wait. just like you're, instead of actually traveling, you go by proxy through your clone who's already there. You're saying, like, uh, original person A <laughs> makes clone B, clone B travels to Mars, and person A takes clones B's experience somehow through download? Somehow, through digital mind matrix shit. Okay, now you're, like, on Total Recall, where people have, like, <laughs> the simulated vacations that are, like, implanted into their memory. So, like, they don't go anywhere. Yeah, we're, like, they two, can... two years away from this, right? We're not too far off. Hey, talk about simulated <laughs> vacation. I almost picked an article that was about people having a better time at the dentist if they have VR of a beach on their face while they're at the dentist. Yo, VR is like stepping off shit. a cliff. Well, that too, but VR is just like very direct. It's <laughs> it's so so right on what the brain wants that it's so easy to just completely lose yourself in the immersion even if you're trying not to. Oh yeah. It's like, to it's total emergency. Yeah, exactly. Once it gets cheap enough, it's the way video games are going, for sure. Oh, yeah. So, moving on, we got some funny Amazon reviews. Which is a continuation of what we did last time. Uh, a similar subject last time Al was on. Yes. We always have a good time with these. Yeah, they're hilarious. There's a million different ones out there that are fucking great. And uh, we even have uh, some customer questions that have uh, been pretty funny as well. The, with this one, we have a pull-up bar. You know, one of those ones you'd install kind of in a doorway. Get a little bit of a, your workout going on if you can't go to the gym. There's some simple yeah, questions like, you know, will this fit in a 36-inch door frame? Uh, another person says, does this damage the door frame, you know, if you're using it? <laughs> the question that we love is... What should I do if my landlord's tripping about my pull-up bar? Answer? That's what. Yeah, that's when Jeff chimed in and uh, gave him a brilliant answer. Judo chop his throat. Seems excessive, but that'll well that'll deal with any landlord. I mean, it, I, have any issue? I'd be worried for the landlord because clearly this guy's working out, and then if he goes yeah. for the judo chop, he's he's going to be overpowered on this shit. Except for if your landlord's like fucking Randy Couture, and then you're fucked. <laughs> Judge your landlord yeah. first. If he if he looks like he knows martial arts, don't attempt it because he probably has more experience than you. <laughs> don't don't take on your landlord over something as petty as your pull-up bar. We we don't encourage. Just move that. it. Keep it out of sight. I mean, it's not even like uh, one that you keep in place. You just pull it out of your closet when your landlord's not around. You do your, your crunch, you know. <laughs> Fucking MMA style uh, landlord's busting in whenever he wants. Just like you call that a pull-up bar, he rips it down. He just <laughs> sinks he his sinks his fingers into the wall and starts oh fucking <laughs> doing chin-ups himself. He's like, I don't need a pull-up bar. Gonna, yeah, but are you gonna fix that sheetrock when you leave? <laughs> he's, he's the landlord. He can do what he wants. I guess it's his place. He's in charge. Uh, <laughs> so our next. Uh, review that we got here is for Smucker's Goober Grape Peanut Butter and Jelly. Ugh. Yeah, it's the two-in-one. It's if you're a lazy <laughs> bastard and you don't want to buy two separate containers and you use, use two different knives. As a, as a kid, like, everyone wanted that at some point. They had, like, the stripes of, like, peanut butter and jelly in the jar. Okay, but to yeah. be fair, we were kids in the 90s when green ketchup was a thing. So I don't think we should be, oh, like... Oh, I forgot about... <laughs> what about the purple ketchup? You remember that? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Worse. 
So I don't think we should be like all kids like this because we were we were pretty weird. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, this awesome product review is uh, not for children. Whatsoever. I was gonna say this one isn't as family friendly as the last one. <laughs> Matt, you do this one. <laughs> By an, an anonymous Amazon customer, they didn't care to leave their name. Whenever I'm feeling down and out, I always turn to something sweet, nutty, and smooth. And that is what goober peanut butter and grape jelly. Nothing really helps me get my kicks in like lathering myself up with goober peanut butter and grape <laughs> jelly while I violently masturbate into a mirror. <laughs> violently. <laughs> it is great for stress relief. Screaming, shouting, and hissing manically while I pound myself sore as I am covered in a thick layer of goober peanut butter and grape jelly. It's therapeutic <laughs> for me. <laughs> it may be something about the sweet grape jelly that excites my olfactory senses or the aesthetic of the candy cane striped jar. But goober peanut butter and grape jelly appeals on all levels and is an excellent product. Keep it up, smuckers. Read that. But he only gave it four stars. He only gave it four stars. There wasn't enough lubing factor to it. It's the peanut That's butter. the one thing. He got a little bit of friction, and he, he didn't like that. See, but that's that's kind of necessary if it's just <laughs> nothing. Uh, I don't know. And it, and it could use a little more sensual of a scent too, to you know lighten the mood. But grapes not you, doing it for you. Nah, grape isn't always you know. It's not uh, don't get the best. Don't get the chunky. That's all I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> unless that's your your beat. You know, you like the pain. It's terrible. All right. Sandpaper lube. You heard Ooh. it here. Uh, no. Stop Stop doing that at the beach. You're going to get arrested. <laughs> so, so our next Stand product... In all the crevices. <laughs> our next product is uranium ore, which I'm not sure if you can actually sell that on Amazon. Can you? I'm pretty that, sure that's illegal, right? Is that radioactive? Let's ask <laughs> Wait, if you can sell it or not? Um, uranium on ore. On Amazon? Well, now, hold on, I want to check. It says caution, radioactive content. That sticker looks like it's from Zoomies, though. Yeah, I was just going to say the quality of the sticker kind of <laughs> makes me repute the idea there. It's uh, it's like that Joe Dirt scene. It's <laughs> like, just a septic tank. I got a new skateboard what sticker you, slapped on it. What do you mean? It. <laughs> just a big old poop tube. <laughs> so the, the review of Uranium Ore, I thought you'd appreciate this one, Al. The it got five stars. Oh no, it's real. And Elia said, "I got a free cat in the box with this purchase, but I'm not sure if I should open it to see if the cat is okay." <laughs> now, now that's a, a sciencey joke there. If anyone doesn't get that, that's what Schrodinger's cat. Yeah, Schrodinger um, had a thought experiment, uh, which is very famous. The the cat, and he used it to basically. Um, show how seemingly foreign the idea of quantum mechanics is that the idea that things can exist in multiple states simultaneously the thing can either be in path one path two no path and both paths all at the same time is so strange and it's kind of uh, cool it's incompatible with with our classical understanding because so the the whole thing of the cat is both alive and dead at the same time. It, it no, I get it. Physically can't be, yeah. But <laughs> but returning totally to makes sense. Yeah, returning to the, I, the it's radioactive. It's like how it's like how I tell my uh, my job that I'm like five minutes away when I'm really like twenty minutes away. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you exist in two places at once in the minds of people and yourself. <laughs> but yeah, this uh, this apparently is a uh, is a thing you can purchase on Amazon. It is actually oh, wow. radioactive, and it is uranium. That's fucking cool. That's ridiculous. I mean, it's kind of a little scary, I guess. Can you do uh, anything with that? What kind of compounds... I was just going to say, what kind of compounds can be crafted out of this? Should we be worried about nuclear bombs and shit? Well, so the basic nuclear bomb isn't just... Like, well, there's, there's first of all, there's two kinds of nuclear bombs. There's dirty bombs, and there's clean bombs, so to speak. So dirty bomb just means... You take a bunch of radioactive stuff and you strap like C4 to it and you spread the radioactive stuff to other people. Uh, so you like, you know, put it in the sky, blow it up, and then like the whole town is covered in radioactive dust 
which you know causes skin lesions, cancerous stuff, and horrible things. Ooh, Clean bombs so require detonation. You get uh, the critical mass explosion, which just annihilates entire cities, like uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki are the two most famous examples of that, uh, where, you know, just the entire, like, thing is laid to waste because, like, the nuclear energy actually, like, turned into fission and released, like, a thermo explosion. Uh, so, in order to get clean bombs, which is, I'm sure, what you were talking about with uranium, what, in essence, you do is you forge the... Enrich it, right? Well, yeah, you, 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 you enrich it to purify it, so you get a highly active substance. Uh, highly active meaning um, the molecules... There's a high... Of the two pounds of uranium you have, 1.6 pounds of that is radioactive. I'm, I'm making up the numbers of proportions, but most of it is radioactive in the sense that most keep of it, the atoms... Keep it like MacGyver so that people can't actually make it at home. That that's what I was just thinking. I was about to pause you and say, "Don't make a recipe for destruction on American Slacker. We don't need that in the review." No, no, no. I mean, this is this is it's the the real classified information is how you enrich uranium, how you purify it, and I'm not going to go into that. But assuming you feed have a goat, pure, feed a goat cheese and bathe it in milk. Exactly. Everyone everyone knows that. But when we're done, we'll ask you how the what the specifics are, just in case. Just you know. in case. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So you you basically you get a highly active sample, which means that the the uranium atoms are constantly breaking down and uh, emitting excess neutrons, which can break other ones down. But they're very far apart and doesn't happen often. So you surround the radioactive substance with a large charge of explosives. So when the explosives go off, it pushes all the uranium together in a very small space. Basically, all the atoms are sitting on top of each other. One goes, they all go, and you get the nuclear reaction. And so that's Damn. what that means by critical mass. You have the mass is so small, it's all interacting with itself. It's not one atom in this quadrant interacts with one over there, but most of the substance is, you know, empty space still, so not much happens. Okay. So the explosive now on a nuke is just to focus all the uranium at one point, and then the uranium itself nucleates and turns into energy. Okay. So should we... Baseline, should we be worried that people can get uranium on Amazon? Um, well, again, like, it's, it's not... It's 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 just not feasible to make a bomb out of that kind of uranium. You need you need highly enriched uranium, and it's it's very difficult process to a mine it and get enough of it to enrich, and b like go through the enriching process because you're working with radioactive and highly toxic chemicals. Uh, so it's <laughs> you know it's not the thing that you can do in a backyard. You need a team of scientists and Good. experts, and you can't okay. exactly get this money together without the federal government being like, "What's this?" Okay. Right? No bathtub bombs. Okay. No, you can make a dirty yeah, bomb like that. Plus. You can grab, you can grab radioactive uranium, uh, stick a C4 strap to it, or it's hold on, I'm just to gonna it. stop you. Let's not. Are we getting too detailed here? <laughs> do we have to worry about creating terrorists again? No, I mean, like, that's, that's common knowledge if you just, like, make a pipe bomb. I don't know how common that is, Al. <laughs> they didn't all grow up in the backwoods like uh, like us. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. New York is a, is a special kind of education. Let's move along to a, something a little lighter here. There you go. <laughs> what we have here is a review for a new type of instrument. Yeah. A new type. It's, it, it's an amazing instrument. And uh, let's give you a little sample of this bad boy. <laughs> Amazing. It's just breathtaking. The notes this thing can hit, man. It's just... it came out of Japan, not surprisingly, because it has a face on it, and I feel like they throw a face on like a lot of their stuff. Yeah, kawaii culture is very big in Japan. Things have to be aesthetically pleasing. All it's very things. very cute. <laughs> Yeah, it's a cute little thing. It's a smiley face with a type of wand, and it uses pressure to uh, excrete the note. Excrete, <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, like it's that. probably that's probably the best way to describe the note coming out of that thing. <laughs> but anyway, let's get to the review. I mean, after Vuvuzela, <laughs> after Vuvuzela's got banned, they needed anything they could get. 
<laughs> right? Bunch of these weird little face instruments coming in. But yeah, someone someone uh, wrote up a five star review, and the, it's titled "I have stopped speaking, and now solely communicate through my automaton," which yeah. is the name of that instrument you heard before. I, I also go on to write: Everyone I care about has now given up attempting to talk to me. I've lost contact with friends, family <laughs> members, and pets. Small children cry when they see me approaching. My ears have yet to cease bleeding since I started playing this instrument. I haven't eaten or slept in weeks, but in the famous word of Miley Cyrus, I can't stop, and I won't stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. So I, I, I'm kind of interested. I want to get one of these automatons to fuck around with that. Yeah, and if you're curious, you can find all kinds of copyrighted songs that we wouldn't play on there because we don't want to get sued. <laughs> A lot of covers on, on YouTube of this automaton. Wait, can you actually get sued by broadcasting a video of someone else playing a copyrighted song? I don't know. We're not chancing it, though. It's a hard, It's a funny line we ride in this podcasting world. We get pulled off YouTube for some, some weird shit, so we figured yeah, we get, using. We get pulled off YouTube for reviewing bands that we're suggesting that people listen to. Yeah, apparently there's an algorithm that deciphers tones and can tell the melody and all that shit. All yeah. that funny tech stuff. The next product that we have here is a Miracle Keratin hairspray that actually was reviewed by someone named Skee-Ball, who I saw put up a bunch of... He gives actual reviews, but he gives some funny ones, too. I was going through his list there. And this one is a gem. He says, I like this stuff. Makes what hair I have left seem nicer than it actually is. The product not only makes my hair look better, but it shuts off a portion of the brain controlling my self-awareness. <laughs> protecting me from my thoughts that old dying hair actually resides on my skull, and what, and that my time left on this earth has an expiration date. Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's, so, this, well, the hairspray is working for him. He gave it a five-star review. He says it's a good product for the title. And I think he's got some deeper problems than what's going on up top. I, I agree. Yeah. It's <laughs> an alternative uh, to prescription medicine. I, I, that's a miracle hairspray right there. It uh, probably has some medical things in it that may need to be cleared by the FDA. Ha! <laughs> yes. Yes. I wouldn't trust it's the FDA to clear anything. Clear, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, everything's what, GMO these days? Well, GMOs are fine. It's just pesticides. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, okay. So, so the problem with GMOs, just just not to get too off track here, uh, is that they GMO plants to be pesticide resistant, and then they increase the amount of pesticides they use, and they say, well, it gets evened <laughs> out, and it's like, that's no. So, so basically, the pesticide they use a level of pesticides that would kill both the pests and the plant, so they make the plant like able to adapt so the plant doesn't die. But it's like, the, the fundamental problem isn't the GMO process, it's, it's the overuse it's of pesticides. The pesticides. Yeah, and so it's like, it gets muddled very distinctly. And so, like, currently GMOs are, are directly correlated to pesticides because the places that aren't using GMO crops can't use that much pesticide on them because they'll kill them. But, again, like, it's, it's the pesticides that's the problem. <laughs> So those pink pineapples we covered the other episode, uh, Matt, those should be fine. Yeah, they're totally good. They're <laughs> you good. see those, Al, the pink pineapples? I did not. But that yeah, sounds they're, awesome. Uh, they're, they're, they're like right straight from Dole. <laughs> but everything now, is GMO. I mean, bananas that don't have seeds, yeah. strawberries that are larger than your pinky nail. like Right. You can't yeah, not. Bananas would be hard if you didn't uh, have them genetically modified. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, any Anything. Yeah, let's get a, one of our best products we've reviewed yet. I'm excited for this one. Oh, I love this. This is, uh, yeah. this is definitely up there. It's got tons of good reviews. This is a custom yeah. Nicholas Cage pillowcase. Oh, my. Standard size. Fits most pillows. 64% yeah. of people said 64... Or, um, wow. <laughs> 64% of people said five stars on this review. And they said, I feel so protected knowing that Nicolas Cage is in bed with me. This pillowcase is the first thing I have seen when I wake up and the last thing I see before I close my eyes for my deep slumber. The 
pure sexiness of this man's picture on your pillow will inspire you. Are you having relationship issues, family fights, or a crippling mental issue? Nicholas yeah. can ease the pain. <laughs> Before I got my custom Nicholas Cage pillowcase, I had trouble sleeping. And they go on to essentially praise Nick Cage for another couple of paragraphs. Oh, I didn't uh, realize there was a read more on this. Yeah. Oh, there's <laughs> tons of them. My favorite one comes from Randy Magnum. And uh, he likes to say, <laughs> what a name. I just like that he's always there for you, no matter which side you enjoy sleeping on the boats. Everywhere <laughs> you turn, there he is. Although he does state, it makes it hard to sleep with an erection. <laughs> Isn't it always? Just you gotta sleep on your back. That's yeah, the trick. Back. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, otherwise so, you're and, propping and, yourself up. And I think one of the greatest Make things Make a tent, is, man. Make a tent. On this page, there's also customers viewed these items, and there's a ton of more Nick Cage pillows, along with Jeff Goldblum pillows cases. Well, and... What about the Jeff Goldblum waterproof shower curtain? Oh, that's, is that that's something that's in my car right now? That one's pretty pretty nice. And you got the Macho Man Randy Savage Jesus pillowcase. Oh my God, he is delivering an elbow to Jesus with Jesus having his back turned. He doesn't that even is see brutal. it coming. Ah. Uh, the gems on God Amazon that we find. That's what happens when you bring a savage up into heaven. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's uh, we got one more, I think, right? Yes, sir. And it's a classic. Now, this is now, the horse head mask that you've seen in plenty of movies. I think, like, movies. a ton of Halloween costumes. Oh, I've yeah. seen it in memes and finds and videos I feel like it was definitely in uh, uh, there was that one party movie where it gets out of control or whatever oh uh Night X or something yeah yeah party Project X. X or something Project like X yeah there's a few movies that does make it I feel like a Seth Rogen movie has it in it this horse head mask is definitely become more popular over the last couple of years oh I never saw this but yeah I remember seeing attractions for it it felt like uh, another super bad movie. Hey, you guys know I like puns. We got George Takai giving it a re- customer review. He says oh, he's yeah. not horsing around, giving it four stars. He purchased it mainly for the an- anonymity. But instead, it was a nightmare that saddled me with oh unbridled god. panic. Oh my god. <laughs> this, it, it, the puns. Just, it's too much. I can't even. But the naysayers came unglued. It just keeps going. I can't do the whole thing. It's painful. I just. I want to say I believe that's the real George Takai. I'm not even fucking around. If you read it <laughs> in his voice, it's it's way funnier. There's a ton. Yeah, there's a ton of reviews by that user account, and it definitely it mentions his significant other. I believe that's him, and he is punny as crazy. Follow him on the social. Four stars. People people are really uh, tough on these reviews. Even when they praise it, they won't give it a full five stars. I just I I like a lot of these are themed in the event that it, they are too small for a real horse, and it and it, pro, <laughs> it poses a problem for the horse to breathe. Oh no! People are Why does your horse these... need a horse mask? <laughs> it would make a great YouTube video where you pull the mask off of the horse, and it's just a horse under the horse mask. Yeah, although Jacob did say that by using this mask, he was able to convert his dog into a horse. And okay. And that life great again. Oh, I see it. He's got a picture of his dog wearing the horse mask. It's a black lab that's not too pleasant to be wearing it, it seems. Well, that, that but, black lab is sitting on the couch like a fucking person. That's hilarious. Yeah, but the owner, very pleasant. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, you can always peruse Amazon to see what kind of funny reviews people are putting up. I, I don't know what to take. I don't know what's the truth anymore. Oh my god! Now my Amazon, anything. my Amazon is now recommending me uh, Geiger <laughs> counters and horse masks. <laughs> nice. The, you have to purchase them. Together. I'm gonna wind up on a watch list now. <laughs> ah. Big, do you need uranium ore and a horse mask? And yes. This seems like a terrorist. And some meeting. nice hairspray. <laughs> Especially if they hack into my microphone and hear what I've been saying. We'll hook you up. Oh, we'll give it to them for free. It'll be up online. Uh, available on our website and on iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts. 
not quite time for the plugs yet. We got one more question for Al. We had a bunch more, but because of our uh, time that we're running on here, I just want to boil it down to one question. I've been interested in multiverse theory and the idea that there's different timelines and everything sort of splits off. What do you think? Are we in the best timeline? Yes or no, and why? I'd say no right off the bat. We're definitely not in the best timeline. I mean, come on. Come on. (laughs) Come on, man. Come on, man. We got a Trump president that denies climate science, and it's just... Easy on the T-bomb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I don't want to go too deep in the rabbit hole, but uh, suffice it to say, you know, the Dark Ages happened. Uh, <laughs> going back even further, true. Yeah, we, we, we've just clearly been on a lot of wrong sides of history. You know, slavery happened. Uh, That's true. It's... It's we've had so, some terrible, terrible events that if so we're we'd have saying, to we'd have to assume in the best timeline that none of the none of the worst things that have ever occurred have ever happened. Ever. Yeah, I'm sure in the multiverse there is some utopian trajectory where you know humanity came about and established itself in a fully cooperated, vested adventure uh, where you know society evolved in a harmonious state without. Uh, individual groups exercising control over other groups. Sounds like a Star Trek episode where there's going to be a crazy twist. Yes. (laughs) I would feel like that would be scientifically impossible. Yes. I I don't know. I believe you. I mean, realistically, yes, that's impossible. Um, You're talking about, like, so many things set up so perfectly. Or at least... Learning without error. That's my... um, so there's a great anthropological acronym called it's WEIRD, which means uh, Western Educated Industrialized. Um, oh God, what is it? RD. Uh, Redefining. <laughs> Regional. Something democratic. Western Educated Industrialized. I forget, but basically it says like the the lens in which we assume everything is always through a lens. So I can't picture a society evolving differently in a fully cooperative state. Rich. Because rich is oh, the it R. is rich. It <coughs> is rich. Um, yeah. So I can't picture society evolving in a state that's you know completely cooperative without exploitation of some working class, because I've developed in a western educated industrialized rich democratic nation and that's how like this nation operates that's how all g7 uh weird nations operate and it's just like what i'm socialized to accept as like the default path so i'm sure there is another method now i was gonna say in a different perfect timeline though wouldn't one imagine that progress was slow but steady and equal and every you know everyone was treated the same slavery didn't happen throughout yeah like, i would say that of humankind yeah we'd get there but it would be a lot slower exactly if we were all still uh agricultural based civilizations but we hadn't you know gone through any of the ridiculous setbacks like egyptian slaves and uh you know things like things of that nature uh, if if instead we just had slow, Roman definable empires, progress, the Byzantine empires, yeah, 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 crucifixions and colosseums, Asian dynasties. <laughs> I don't know anything about Asian history, but <laughs> oh, I've been I've been learning a lot. Uh, Dan Carlin's hardcore history is pretty good. Fucking brilliant. We're actually hopefully going to be uh, seeing him talk in uh, August in Anaheim. We're going to a convention. Oh, is he going to come on the podcast? Oh, God. that'd be awesome. God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dreams. Love that. You gotta go to VidCon. Gotta shake some hands, rub some elbows. Yeah, exactly. So so we're not in the best timeline, but I think also it's kind of, you know, fate leaves it up to us. Yeah, we're not in the worst. Decide. Yeah. Worst That's one ended sure. in the nuclear uh, Cold War. Right? True. True, right? Yeah. Or way before that, even. <laughs> well, yeah. Worst one could have been, like, life never existed. So cherish what you got. Be happy you're listening to this podcast with myself, Matt, and Al. 
bringing the knowledge to you, dropping it, those truth bombs. And uh, now that uh, Al's done educating us, we're going to take you to Slacker University. Now everybody, take a seat, pull out your laptops, and the uh, first thing I want you to do is go to the Facebook and Instagram. All you got to do is search American Slacker Podcast. Then you're going to pull up the website, AmericanSlackerPodcast.com. And then you're going to confirm and shoot us an email, AmericanSlackerPodcast at gmail.com. Big, I just did all that shit. Send that email. <laughs> and then, you know what? Follow us over on Reddit. and Well, you can't follow us on Reddit, but hit us up on Reddit. And follow us on Twitter at A-M-E-R-S-L-K-R Podcast. That's A-M-E-R-S-L-K-R Podcast, because they have a character. Go over to iTunes, rate and review us, tell a friend who would enjoy the show about us. We would really appreciate it if they don't know about podcasts. Send them on over to our YouTube where they can w- listen to the newest episodes along with all of our past episodes, including this bonus episode. And on your downtime, if you feel like listening to some tunes, all you got to do is head over to Spotify. Search American Slacker Podcast. You will find all the artists that we feature on the show and some that we might have on the show very soon. If you want to become a sponsor of the show, go over to our Patreon. Or just go to patreon.com and search American Slacker Podcast. And you get access. If you donate to the show, you get a shout out. You get to ask us a question that we'll answer on the show. You also get an invite to play Xbox with us on the fourth Saturday of every month. So head on over there. We really appreciate it. And if you want to keep up with your Slacker instructor personal lives, all you have to do is check out our Instagrams, our Snapchats, and our gamer tags. My Instagram is MWGmedia. And my Snapchat and gamertag are one and the same at MattyG from HP. And my Instagram and gamertag and Snapchat all the same. You can find it, Landers the Plane. See, that rhymed. That's, that was kind of cool. Do you, now, Al, do you have any uh, social medias you want there? Are you on Instagram yet? I am not on Instagram. I am... Uh, you are on the, Snapchat. I'm, I don't know if you want to throw that out there or not. Uh, I'm not... No. <laughs> he said, fuck the listeners. <laughs> no. I, I, when you get to a certain level of fame, you can't receive snaps. You can only send snaps. And oh, that's, okay. I'm not at that point, so I don't want to be flooded with random snaps. Understandable. We don't want any weirdos deal. stalking you out for your brain. Fair deal. But I'm sure you can all find right, me. slackers. <laughs> we love you all. Every single one of you. And uh, class is over. So uh, until next time. That's it. There you go. Ding. <laughs>